Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. Mm. Good evening, everybody. Amen. Welcome to another Wednesday night Bible study. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We're going to go ahead and open up with a word of prayer. <coughs> Get right into our studies. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Father, it is in the wonderful, everlasting name of your son, Yeshua Mashiach, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, God, that we come. And we come, God, excited, thanking you, Father, for another day, God, another chance, another day full of your love, your grace, and your mercy. And, God, another chance, Father, that we may grow closer to you, Father. You've given us another opportunity, God, to be, to be your children, God, to live in this earth, God, in the land of the living, Father. And we thank you for it. We know that it's only because of your love and your grace and your mercy that we're able to be here today, God. There were those that did not wake up this morning, Father, but you did it for us, God, and you didn't even have to. But you chose us, God, to be on this earth on this magnificent day. So, God, we will ask that you would help us through the power of the Ruach HaKadosh, God, that we would not take this day for granted, God. Even though uh, the sun is going down, it's about to uh, end this day. Father, we ask, Father, that you help us not to take this day for granted, God, that we would able to uh, position and situation ourselves around uh, our loved ones, God, and tell them that we love them, Father, and show them that we love them, God. And Father, have us to be able to walk through this community, God, as lights that shine in a dim, dark world, God. And we thank you, Father, for it all. So bless us today, God, and use us according to your will and your way. Forgive us for sins, faults, and trespasses, God. We come before you as open books, God, as open vessels, Father, not trying to hide anything from you, God. You said if we would confess our faults one to another, God, that you would bless us and you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we come, God, confessing that we uh, have still have sins and faults and proclivities and predilections in our lives. Amen. But we come as an open book, God, not trying to hide anything from you, not trying to cover anything up from you. God, asking that you would continue to clean us up because we know, Father, that you've already been working on us in the past, God, and you've brought us to this point. So, Father, we keep our hand in your hand. We continue to put our hope, our faith, and our trust in you that on that day, God, when Jesus comes, you said in your word that you are the one who's able to present us, God, that through Jesus that we're able to present ourselves to your throne of grace boldly, God. So we thank you, Father, that although in our flesh, God, we still have inadequacies, you still love us, God, anyhow. You still choose us, God. So we come, Father, just to say thank you, God, thank you. that you did not wipe us out, that you did not destroy us, God, because of our disobedience and our sin. And we see it even in your word, God, that you continue to reach out to stiff-necked and arrogant people with an outstretched hand, God, God uh, having the, the hope and the vision that we would come to you, Father. And we know that there is a day. When your son is going to come back to this earth, God, he's going to gather your family together, your children, God, those of us who are called the ecclesia, God, those who are trying our best to live according to your will and your way, to call wrong, wrong on this earth, God, to call right, right. So we thank you for your word, God, because it's through your word that we know your plan of salvation, that we know about you, that we know about your son, Jesus, that we know about the Holy Spirit, that we know about the demise of the devil, God. It's through your word. So we thank you for your word, God. We thank you for your son, God, Jesus, 
the one who came and lived and died and bled and went to a borrowed tomb. But God, we thank you that early on that third day that he rose with all power and he ascended into heaven, sitting at your right hand side, making intercession for us right now, God. So we thank you, Lord, and we thank you for the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, God. That part of, of you that lives inside of us that keeps us connected to you, God. We thank you for it all. Uh, as we open the covers of your word tonight, God, have your word to be illuminated, God, that we may be able to see with clarity what your original intent is for your people. So we bless you, we thank you, we love you, we trust you, we honor you, we magnify you, and we're waiting on you to come and get us. It is in the wonderful name of your son, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, that we pray. Come on, let all God mighty men say amen. Amen. And amen. And amen. 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 Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and open up the door Amen for a word of testimony. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 We're not going to go ahead and jump right into our lesson for this evening. Amen. Um, amen. In the book of uh, Zechariah. Amen. That uh, Old Testament minor prophet of Zechariah. And we're moving right along through the Old Testament prophets, those minor prophets. And uh, I, I, I pray that by now we see that they all said the same thing. <laughs> they, they may be saying it through different dispensations. Amen. They may be saying it, uh, actually the ones we've read thus far, they've been saying it to the same king and the same people. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. So as we uh, continue to uh, go through our study of the prophets, I want to uh, just remind everybody uh even, even what, what, what God gave me to preach last Sabbath, uh, Bible revival. Mm -hmm. Amen. Bible revival. And, and I'm just a stickler that whatever you pertains to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, uh, heaven, hell, and the devil, those six things, whatever we do in our lives pertaining to those six things, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the devil, heaven, and hell. Let's get our information from Scripture. Amen. Amen. I'm just a stickler for that. Amen. I don't want to hear nothing about God that ain't in the Bible. Hallelujah. I don't want to hear nothing from nobody about God, uh, the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that you can't pull up a Scripture in, in some book that matter to me if it's Old Testament or New. Or the Gospels, it doesn't matter. But, but you got to be able to show me what you talking about in the confines, confines of Genesis to Revelations. Amen. Amen. And, and I think that if, if, if we, uh, as calling ourselves the church, and I kind of talked about that Saturday as well, uh, 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 the word the is defined as a definite article. So whenever you use the word the, you're talking about one thing. So if we, if we going to say we the church, well, we got to figure out who lied. Because it ain't but one. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So we got to figure, we got to figure out who the true church is. Hallelujah. And it's very easy to figure out because once again, you need to be able to point out a scripture uh, to be able to prove your point on who the church is. 
And the word church, hallelujah, comes from the Greek word ecclesia. God's called out woman. That's how we identify ourselves. Have you, have you been called by God? Amen. Amen. So as we look at these prophetic books, what these books should do for us, uh, although they are learning tools uh, to teach us uh, historical facts, past historical facts, but how many of you know that in prophecy, prophecy should always point you toward the future as well? Amen. Because the Bible has such a thing as past prophecy, present prophecy, and future prophecy. Amen. And, and every now and then, you might get all three in, in one prophet. One prophet may write uh, about what has happened in the past. Actually, all of them do. They, they correlate what has happened in the past because you're going to see in this book of Zechariah, he's going to use the term as your forefathers did. Mm -hmm. Well, that's talking about the past. Well, and then he said, don't you do the same thing. Well, he's talking about the present. Because if you do the same thing, this is what's going to happen to you. Well, then he's talking about the future. So you understand that prophecies are uh, are circumspective, circumspective, because they they uh, consist of past, present, and future. Amen. And I want you to bear that in mind when we read these prophetic books. Let's not just read these books uh, uh, to say that we did some Bible reading or for whatever reason. Let's read these books. Uh, I've, I've been putting it this way. Let me stick to this. Let's get to the third phase of Bible study. Application. application. Amen. How does this apply to my life in 2021? Everybody all right with that? Amen. Amen. Come on, let's go ahead and start right at Zachariah. Uh, uh, let me give a little uh, historical data real quick before we get into the, the reading of the book. That way we may understand who wrote the book, when, where, and why. Amen. That's called historical facts. We want to know who wrote the book, when did they write the book, and why did they write the book. And each book has those facts. Amen. So the Bible says, uh, I'm sorry, the notes uh, say about Zechariah is that Zechariah was written in Palestine uh, about, because these are all these dates are proximities. Amen. So it was written in Palestine uh, about 557. B.C. to 525 B.C. Amen. And once again, we like to point out that whenever you're looking at B.C. time, you'll notice that in B.C. time before Christ, uh, the uh, larger number is first, and they're counting down toward the lower number. Because B.C. time, it, it started out uh, in our Hebrew history, which the Bible discusses, our Hebrew history, it starts out at 6,000 B.C. Well, it works its way down to 1 B.C. They, uh, the, the day has actually been kind of narrowed down when Herod was king. Uh, Jesus was born about 4 B.C. That, that's, that's what most theologians agree on, is that, that, that Yeshua was born to the Virgin Mary, or the young handmaiden Mary, in about 4 B.C. So the time counted down to 1 B.C. And then Yeshua showed up on the scene, but we know he was born in 4 B.C. Uh, 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 that, that's what the historians tell us. He was born about 4 B.C., so the, the time changed. Now, this is what lets me know that everybody understands that God had a son that was born because everybody, I, I've been to a lot of places in this world. Being in the United States Army, I've traveled the world. And everywhere I went, the date was the same, according to the Gregorian calendar. 
Hallelujah. Everywhere, everywhere in the world right now, I don't care how they write it. They might write it in a different language, but it's a uh, 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 February of 2021. And, and if you go in according to the Hebrew and the Jewish calendar, we're in the year 5781. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 But those times counted down. So this book was written from 557, bigger number, down to 525 B.C. It was written by Zechariah. Amen. He's the author of the book named after himself. Amen. Zechariah is one of the three prophets after the exile, the other two being Haggai and Malachi. Amen. The purpose that he wrote the book was to encourage and inspire Judah in their national restoration after the Babylonian captivity to assure them of God's presence and future blessings in fulfillment of the covenants that he made with their forefathers. See, once again, he uses that word forefathers, letting us know past prophecy, what happened in the past. So once again, I'm going to read this again, that this book of Zechariah was written to encourage and inspire, hallelujah, God's people who was actually Judah, those who were in the southern kingdom of Judah, in their national restoration, national restoration, and that word restoration, uh, the root word in that is to restore, to bring back, hallelujah. Now watch this. You can use the word restoration and revive uh, simultaneously or synonymously because they both mean to, to, to wake up, to rebuild, to revive, to bring back, hallelujah. And, 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 and I want to say at this point that we need real revival in America, hallelujah. Amen. We need to be able to bring this country back to God's values, hallelujah. That's going to take a grand re revival and a grand restoration to bring this country back to where we all can say God's word is right and I'm wrong. Now listen, when we say restore, God would love for his people uh, to live for him 100%. God would love that if we could. But God made us and he understands that in this flesh we fell him. So a lot of times what has America in trouble is not so much that the sin is going on. We're trying to say that the sin is not a sin. Hallelujah. See, I want you to understand what I'm saying now. A lot of times in our lives, it's not so much that we uh, are wrong for doing what we're doing, which we are wrong when we sin. But the true fact is we don't like our sin to be called a sin. Let me use this example. I know I'm going to get in trouble, but I have to use it. Homosexuals don't like for you to say homosexuality is a sin. They call it hate speech. Now, how in the world can the truth be called hate speech? If we were to read Romans chapter 1, Paul said emphatically in Romans chapter 1 that men are burning in lust after one another and the women have gone away from the natural use of their body. Now, does the scripture really need to say homosexual for you to understand that's what it's talking about? So if that's what the Bible says, you can still be James. We're going to have to love you. But I have to be able to teach you that God says that that's wrong. And in this society, nobody wants their sin to be called wrong. I'm getting used to it. I like for people to call my sin wrong. I don't mind agreeing with them. Pastor, you know that's wrong. 
You know what? You show right. And the Bible says this. You know what? God is right. The Bible says that I should not be talking like this and I need to clean up my potty mouth and God is, God is right and I'm wrong. That's what we have to learn how to say as Americans. Just call wrong wrong. Stop trying to call wrong right. Mm -hmm. And watch this. Stop trying to call right wrong. Hallelujah. So this is what this book was written for a time such as this, because the people need to be encouraged and inspired, and we need to have a national, not just this church, not just this city, not even just this state. We need to have a national, that means country, that's another word for country. We need to have a national or countrywide revival. Because we've come to the place in this country to where we say things that are wrong or right, and we say things that are right or wrong. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. So as we begin reading Zechariah chapter 1, I want you to keep that in mind. You wrong. We wrong. God is right. Amen. 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 So in Zechariah chapter 1 verse 1, the Bible says, in the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, uh, the son of Otto, the prophet, saying, so prophets are running their bloodline. Now, it didn't necessarily say that his daddy was a prophet, but it says that his grandfather was. Verse 2, the Lord has been so displeased with your father. See, that little prophecy, now he's talking about the past. Therefore, say unto them, thus saith the Lord of hosts, turn ye unto me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will turn unto you, says the Lord of hosts. Now, he reiterates this three times. That way, uh, the people may know when the man and the woman of God comes with the word of God, don't get mad at the vessel, which is the man and the woman of God. If you got a problem, get mad at the one who sent you the mail. That's God. But instead of getting mad with God, we get mad with people. Let me tell you something about my pastorship. Sometimes I wish I didn't have to tell you what God told me to tell you. I'd be, I'd be more likable. Hallelujah. I'd be more popular. Amen. But since, since I have been commissioned by God to tell you what his word says, I wind up being the bad guy. But what I have learned is I don't even take it personal no more. Because I understand that the people are really not mad at me. They're really mad at God. How many of y'all remember when the prophet, uh, who was that, Samuel, went to God and the people said that they wanted a king. We want a, we want a king like all the other nations. Mm -hmm. And the prophet went to God crying. And God, God told the prophet, he said, hey man, stop crying. They're not disrespecting you. They're disrespecting me. God was saying, they're not disrespecting you, human being. They're really disrespecting me by wanting the king because what the people are saying is they don't trust God to take care of them. They, they want a man in charge of them. And you, how many of y'all know who he gave them? Mm -hmm. The first king of Israel. Saul. And the Bible says about Saul that he wound up losing his mind. Mm -hmm. So we have to understand in verse 2 and 3, uh, actually in verse 1, 2, and 3, it says that this word came from the Lord. Verse 4. Be ye not as your fathers unto whom the former prophets cried out to see God sent a prophet in every generation. 
They got pastors these days that think we're not living in a dispensation of where prophets are still uh, used by God. Listen, if it ain't no prophet, the people can't hear from God. Because somebody got to be a spokesperson. And a pastor, a pastor is an overseer of the, she of the sheep. A pastor is a shepherd. A pastor ain't a prophet. H Hallelujah. Amen. Now you might have a pastor that has prophetic ability, but just because a, a pastor is preaching, that don't mean that he has prophetic ability. Because there's pastors that's not prophets and there's prophets that's not pastors. Hallelujah. You just happen to be lucky enough, blessed enough to have but two in one. Hallelujah. Turn ye now from your evil ways and from your evil doings. But they did not hear, nor did they hearken unto me, says the Lord. Verse 5. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets. Did they live forever? Verse 6, he says, But my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, did they not take hold of your fathers? And they returned and said, Like as the Lord of hosts taught, thought to do unto us according to our ways and according to our doings, so has he dealt with us in other words, the warning that God sent for their evil behavior and their, their evil doings, God sent a warning. And they had to come back. In verse 6, they had to come back and admit, God sure did what he said he was going to do. How many of y'all know that God is going to do in this generation what he said he's going to do? Amen. Verse 7. Upon the four and the 20th day of the 11th month. So let's go back to verse 1. Now we started in the 8th month. And now down here in verse 7. He said we're in the 11th month. So about 3 months later. Which is the month of Sabbath. Not Sabbath but Sabbath. In the second year of Darius. Came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah. The son of Barakiah. Uh, the son of Ido. The prophet saying, I saw by night and behold a man riding up on a red horse and he stood among the myrtle trees that were in the bottoms or in the valley. And behind him were three red horses speckled and white. Were there red horses speckled and white. Verse 9. Then said I, oh my Lord. What are these? And the angel that talked with me said unto me, I will show you thee what these are. Verse 10. And the man that stood among the myrtle trees answered and said, These are they whom the Lord has sent to walk to and fro in the earth. Now, once again, Please stop reading your Bible like this is just telling you bedtime stories. Yeah. Now pay attention to what this is saying. Because now, from my understanding, God works the same throughout all dispensations. Hallelujah. So if God had angels walking to and for the earth and checking out what people are doing, then 
How many of you know he still got angels walking to and for the earth to see what we doing now? Amen. This is why you can't hide that from God. They got, they got folk watching you. They ain't in the form of people all the time. But there's God, God got watchers watching. Hallelujah. How many of y'all remember, watch this. Ooh, thank you, Holy Ghost. How many of y'all remember when the, 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 the enemy showed up in heaven in the book of Job? And God asked, God asked the devil, he said, where you been? I always like to point this out right here. He did not ask the devil, what are you doing at my meeting? Now, I want you to know that when you read Job chapter 1, God did not ask the devil, what are you doing here? Like he had no place there. God always asked him, where you been? Why are you late? Expecting him to be there. And the devil says, watch what the devil says. He says, I've been going to and for the earth. So God, listen, how many, I, I know some of y'all have forgot this, but the devil worked for God, John. The devil worked for God. The devil can't do nothing to you unless he go get permission from the phone. Y'all better read Job chapter 1 and stop reading your Bible like, like you read bedtime stories. This stuff is real and you need to figure out how it applies to your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Where I left off at? Eleven. Eleven. And they answered the angel of the Lord that stood among the myrtle trees and said, We have walked to and fro through the earth, and behold, all the earth sits still and is at rest. Well, when I read that, I thought the book was over. I started saying, Well, how long, how many chapters Zechariah got? Because the earth is at rest. In the rest of the prophets we've read thus far, he said that God was going to bring turmoil, that it was turmoil going on. How many of y'all remember when we read Habakkuk? He said they, 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 they got trouble going on day and night. Amen. That God, that, that nobody going nobody gonna to get away from God. He's going to be looking for him in the daytime with a flashlight. Y'all remember that in Habakkuk? But now we get to this prophet and the prophet says, the angels told the Lord they've been walking to and fro in the earth and everything is fine. Everything is still. Now verse 12, let's check out the response. The, then the angel of the Lord answered and said, O Lord of hosts, how long wilt thou not have mercy on Jerusalem and on the cities of Judah, against which thou hast had indignation? These, uh, these three score and 10 years. What's that, 70 years? Mm -hmm. Verse 13, and the Lord answered the angel that talked with me, with good words and comforting words. Amen. So the angel that communed with me said unto me, Cry thou, saying, Thus said the Lord of hosts, Uh-oh. I am jealous for Israel and for Zion with great jealousy. Now this is the second scripture that comes to my mind right off bat when God said that he's a jealous God. Is it jealous or zealous? Zealous. 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 But with great jealousy. He's zealous with great jealousy. So with his, his, and we understand the word zealous comes from the word zeal. Uh, meaning your excitement. Hallelujah. The, the effort that you're going to put it to. He says that I am, I am uh, zealous for Zion with a great jealousy. And God says that he's a jealous God. Now, he don't really want us putting other things before him. Now, we get ready to read something that I think a lot of us need to 
uh, pay attention to. Oh, let, let me read this, then I want to say this. Verse 15. I am very sore displeased with the heathen that are at ease. For I was but a little displeased and they helped forward the affliction. In other words, the enemy of God's people was working for God. How many of y'all caught that? God allowed them to take his people captive. But he didn't mean for them to do all that they did to the people. So, once again, what I'm showing you is, every now and then, listen to me, the enemies in your life ain't from the devil. Uh-oh. Now we've read four, I think this is going to be our third or fourth prophetic book that we've studied. Not one time did it mention that it was the devil that was doing all the havoc. Not one time. And going just from my memory, I don't even think any of these prophets mentioned the devil. Hallelujah. We've read Habakkuk, what book we've read? Habakkuk, uh, Haggai, and this is the third one right here. And Zephaniah. And Zephaniah, that's right, this the fourth. None of them mentioned that any of the afflictions was coming on the people because of the devil. So what that pointed out to me is in this dispensation, we giving the devil way more credit than he deserved. Amen. How many of y'all remember my little joke uh, that God was sitting in heaven on his throne and the devil went up to, went up to heaven and started crying to God? God say, what's wrong? What's wrong? The devil say, they down there blaming all kind of stuff on me that I ain't had nothing to do with. And that's what we do. Soon as something negative happened in our life, oh, the devil ride me, the devil trying to get me, the adversary, the enemy. We know all the names that, 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 that to call him, but most times in our lives, it ain't the devil, it's God trying to reach us. Hallelujah. Amen. So, Whenever there's an enemy in your life, stop always thinking that the enemy is the, uh, the devil in your life. Sometimes God sends enemies in our lives to wake us up. Amen. All right. Let's come on to 2021. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm emphatic that God is using coronavirus to wake us up. Amen. I'm emphatic about it. Amen. Ain't nobody going to change my mind about it. God is trying to reach his people in this dispensation and to reach us, he had to slow us down. Uh, and technically what he did at the beginning, if y'all remember this time last year, well, not, not quite this time, but, but by March for sure, God had to shut the world down. Mm -hmm. How many of y'all remember riding on the streets of your city uh, about mid-March, by that second or third week in March? You could ride through the streets of Port Arthur even up there by the mall, because down here you could ride and not hit nobody any day. But up there by the mall, you could ride and you wouldn't see no car. I thought the laws was going to pull me over. Because the streets was blank. God had stopped the world, y'all. And if you still scratching your head wondering if it was God or not, well, you, 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 need, you, you need a little Bible training. Hallelujah. Come on, we're we, we in verse 16. 
Amen. Verse 16, he says, Therefore, thus said the Lord, I, I am returned to Jerusalem with mercies. My house shall be built in it, said the Lord of hosts, and a line shall be stretched forth upon Jerusalem. Verse 17, he says, Cry yet, saying, Thus said the Lord of hosts, My cities through prosperity, was that it? My cities through prosperity shall yet be spared, spread abroad, and the Lord shall yet comfort Zion and shall yet choose Jerusalem. In other words, that's your restoration scriptures. God is saying, time for the captivity to be over. This captivity that Zechariah is talking about obviously is the 70 year captivity. It's obvious because he, he points it out in the scripture. And 70 years compared to the uh, Egyptian captivity of course 430 years So, it differently said in this book, but I want to use the uh, Egyptian captivity, for example. The Bible says that God heard the cry of his people. God is hearing the cry of his people right now. You see, there are many, many sins of America. Mm -hmm. And you can tell when you have a grievous historical sin in your life because it keeps popping up over and over. There's things that we do in our life once we get old and we find. Amen? But I don't know if you realize yet, I don't know if you realize in your life yet that the things that you really have problems with they keep coming back over and over in your life. Because the devil is going to always try to bring what's out of your past into your future and try to trip you up just like he did. And some people are not aware of that. So if you, if God has already uh, redeemed you or healed you from something, the Bible says don't be like a dog returning back to your mama. If God has healed you or delivered you from something, don't go back to that thing. But I'm going to tell you what's going to happen is when God is ready to open a door for you in the future, every now and then, something from your past, and, and I, I was going to continue to blame it on the devil, but since I want to stay in context with what we talk about tonight, sometimes it's God. Hallelujah. As testing grounds. Because sometimes God's going to test you to see if you're ready to move to that next level in life. So what happens a lot of times is when God is ready to move you forward, something from your past will come up to trip you up to see if you're ready to move forward. Hallelujah. Amen. So these uh, 70, this 70 year captivity and the 430 years uh, Egyptian captivity, uh, even, even uh, in Nebuchadnezzar's Babylonian captivity, you hear the sentence, God says that I heard the cry of my people. Now, uh, historically speaking, the people of God, the Bible says, has been dispersed, or the, the book of Acts uses the word scattered, 
over and over and over that God's people have been scattered throughout the four corners of the earth. One of the major prophecies in prophecy scriptures is we're going to know when it's time for Yeshua to come back, for Jesus to come back, because one of the prophecies is, is that God's people will now return back to Jerusalem from the four corners of the earth. Hallelujah. Okay, I want to connect something here for you, uh, historical dates, so that you may understand the disbursement that we may have got caught up in. Hallelujah. So when we talk about God's people being scattered, now the thing about being scattered is a lot of times when you're scattered and you are uh, in another land, especially if you're in another land under ca captivity and slavery. Y'all listening to me? Mm -hmm. Especially when you're in that land under captivity and slavery, what are some of the things they're going to do? They're going to take away your what? Okay, yeah. the boy's name was Kunta Kinte. The lynch. They're going to take away, first thing they're going to do is take away your what? Yeah. Your name, name. your lineage, your religion. See, when you got people in captivity and in slavery, they change names. This is why uh, uh, Pharaoh tried to call Joseph Zephpanathpanea. That's an Egyptian name. Hallelujah. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar. He changed uh, Belshazzar. Uh, <coughs> Uh, Mishael, y'all know they, they Hebrew names. He named them Shadrach, Meshach, and the bad Negro. That wasn't their names. That was their slave names. Okay, Terry, Jack, Philip. <laughs> Probably ain't our names. Probably slave names. I'm going to tell you for sure your last name is. The Johnsons, the Thompsons, the Browns, all that. They, they named the slave after they slave owners, whatever plantation you was on. I know y'all know that. I know y'all know that. You see, so while we sitting up here, the, the, the fell for his story, his story tells us that we all came over here on boats. If you got pigment in your skin, if you dark skin, his story gonna try to mentally, psychologically brainwash you and tell you you wrote up, your family come over here on the slave boat. I know better than that. Now, I'm not saying I didn't come over here on a boat. But all of us did not come over here on a slave boat. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. And I, I mentioned Sabbath, and, and, and I've been mentioning this. I don't know who's doing it or not, but I've been mentioning. Go read up on the edict of 1492. Two very prominent things happened in the year 1492. And isn't that amazing? That's right about the time that America... Uh, that, that people were starting to come to the Americas. So when we look at prophetic books, one of the challenges is, is to find yourself in prophecy. Hmm. Verse 18, he says, Then lift up my eyes and saw and behold four horns. And I said unto the angel that talked with me, what are these? And he answered me, these are the horns which have scattered, there go our word, that, that has scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. Scattered them where? Across the whole earth. God's people has been dispersed everywhere. Mm -hmm. This is why when the prophet uh, 
when Elijah got finished whipping them 800 prophets at Mount Carmel, Ahab said, I'm going to Jezebel. <clears throat> and everybody was scared of Jezebel. So the prophet took off and hightailed it to the mountain and went hid in a cave. And when the Spirit of the Lord found him, I really love this passage. When the Spirit of the Lord found him, remember the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came and, and the prophet heard a big, a big loud noise. But the Bible says that that wasn't God. Then the Bible says that it came, I think, in a mighty wind. He said that wasn't God. But it was God in a small, still voice, and he began to talk to the prophet. And the prophet began to say things like this. I'm all by myself. I'm the only one that loves you, Lord. And God stopped him dead in his tracks. Wait, hold up, shall we? Hold. He said, I got, what did he say, 7,000? I think he said, I got 7,000 prophets that have not bowed their knee to Baal. So in other words, God said, man, I got people everywhere. And every now and then we do feel like we're the only one. But let me tell you something. A good reminder and a good encouragement for you tonight is you're not the only one, baby. They got people that's fighting for God all over this world. And remember, one of the major prophecies is that God's people will return back to Jerusalem. So what I would start telling people around here is you better start getting a ticket ready. Because mm. if you really consider yourself a child of God, uh, you need to be prepared to go back home. <laughs> now that's not even taught in the American church. Matter of fact, let me say this about the American church. They so busy trying to teach you that Jerusalem ain't nothing, that God, that, that God is not concerned about Israel and the Jews. And, and this is what the American Protestant church is teaching. And after reading the Bible for yourself, I can't even understand how you would allow that type of knowledge to be pumped into your head that Israel means nothing, that Judah means nothing to God, that Jerusalem. When we get to Revelation, y'all, the last book about the last days, he said he waiting for a new Jerusalem. That ain't no typo. That ain't no misprint. <laughs> and we just read over this stuff, just glance over this stuff. Hallelujah. So go buy your ticket. Let's get ready to go home. Amen. And the Lord showed me. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, yeah, that's where I'm at 20. Huh? And the Lord showed me four carpenters. Then I said, what are they coming to do? And he spoke to me, these are the horns which have scattered Judah so that no man did lift up his head. But these are come to fray them, the King James says, to cast out the horns of the Gentiles which lift up their horn over the land of Judah to scatter it. In other words, God is sending retribution. See, if we can stick with these prophets and we can stick with our four R's. Of course, I think I made it five the other day just to put revival in there, but I could have stuck with restoration because it's the same thing. So God, one thing that I want to make sure that I drill home each and every week is that God has a plan for his people. Amen. Yes, sir. Why did four horns come up against Israel, Jerusalem, and Judah in the one? And then it said four craftsmen are coming up against just Judah itself. And I know say mm -hmm. it goes back to what we've been talking about on Sabbath about the, uh, the empire. Right. 
Because remember, Assyria came up in the time period with, with Judah, Jerusalem, and uh, Israel. And then the Idiots, the Greek, because remember we started talking about the Greeks, mm -hmm. the Greek Empire. Yeah. That's what my notes say. That's that's showing the four the four empires that's gonna come up against mm -hmm. Israel. Yeah. And of course the horns mean power. So But it just struck me when it said it gave the three at first, and then all of a sudden at the end, he says Judah. It's four of them coming up against. <laughs> yeah. So in our in our uh teaching. We want to make sure that the people understand this stuff happens. This this is real. And, and and one thing about the prophecy books specifically is most prophecy books, the chapters are gonna start out by telling you in the first year, in the second year of King Darius, King Cyrus, whatever king it is, King Nebuchadnezzar. Well, you can close your Bible and go to uh well, what we used to do back in the day, you go to your device now, but back in the day, we would go to encyclopedias. Mm -hmm. And you would be able to see by date all of this stuff that the Bible is saying is true. And we have to teach it like it's true occurrences, men and women of God. We have to teach it like it really happened and stop teaching it like it's bedtime stories. Mm -hmm. Stories to make the people shout. These things really happen. And the implication is, is what side are you on? See, that's the true implication. When, when you read prophecies, you got to figure out in your mind, are you going to be on the side that's going to be destroyed or are you going to be on the side that's going to be redeemed? And you got to make that up right now. See, we can't wait till the clouds begin to roll back like a scroll. Hallelujah. We can't wait till we hear the last trump of God sound. We can't wait till we see Jesus descended uh, with all the angels and all the saints that have fallen asleep. We gotta make our decision now. Once again, I would like to refer to Joshua. I think it's chapter 24. He says, choose ye this day. Who are you gonna serve? Amen. He has a question. He says, are you gonna serve the God on the other side of the river? In other words, are you gonna serve the God that's back in Egypt? Are you going to still serve all these polytheistic gods? Or are you going to uh, uh, commit and serve the one and true and living God? The creator of all things. The one who stood out on the baskets of nothing and started calling things into being. The one who threw the plethora of stars in their place. The one who holds the oceans back from overtaking the land. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Which God are you going to serve? Oh, we're going to be like those in Athens. When Paul walked into Athens, he says, men, I see that y'all really religious. Y'all got a God for everything. And then to his surprise, he says, y'all even got a God called an unknown God. <laughs> they had a God for when they didn't know what they needed a God for. But how many of you know that the God that we serve, that he's a God of everything? Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. He's Jehovah Elohim. The eternal creator. He's Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is our battle. He's Jehovah Rapha. The Lord is my healer. He's Jehovah Shalom. The Lord of my peace. You see the God that we serve. He has his name. And we can call him specifically. For whatever we need him for. And every now and then. Even in our American Protestant religion. We just call on the name of God. 
one thing. But when you notice, when you understand uh, all the Hebrew names of God, they call God for specific reasons. Hallelujah. Because he has specific names for a specific reason. Somebody asked me the other day, I know y'all have noticed, whenever I'm texting or I'm typing or I write the word God, I don't write the whole name. And somebody asked me one day, he said, Pastor Chad, let me, let me ask you something. Why you always just put the G or dash and then the D? And I took it back to history. I said, well, you know, the name of God was so holy to the Israelites. Uh, whenever they would write God's name, at that time it was El, El Shaddai, all the L's of God. El means God to uh, the Hebrews. Whenever they would write that, his name was so holy, they would throw the pen away. And in some notes that I read way back in the day, uh, it basically uh, said that, and, and I'm not saying that anybody else has to do that. I'm not saying that it's right or wrong to write God's name. I'm not saying that at all. It's just something that I read and I thought it was a good thing to adopt. But God's name is holy. Jews still do that today? Jews still do that today, Elder said. any holier than anybody. It just shows that we're giving reverence to God's name. That we're following uh, that what it is, the third commandment, when it says don't use my name in vain. Uh -huh. And it, it really does something to me on the inside. And it's me personally. I'm just giving my own personal testimony. I'm not insinuating in any kind of way that anybody else has to do these things. But I, 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 when I'm off work, I, I like to watch Price is Right. Let's make a deal. Imagine people get their name called and they come running down the aisle and you know what they say the whole time? OMG, OMG, OMG. And that, that does something to me on the inside. I'm like, because you're just using this name. But you know, this, 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 is what the Spirit, this is what the Spirit of the Lord told me uh, one day. He said, quit worrying about that because that ain't my name anyway. <laughs> I mean, his real name is Yahweh. His real name is Jehovah. And I'm not saying anything wrong with saying the word God. We live in America. It's just. But somebody told me one day when you know better, you should do better. Mm -hmm. And when we were, when we were uh, immature and infants in, in our uh, learning, in our teaching, they had a man came here and he, boy, he was hammering, hammering on Yeshua. His name is Yeshua. We laughed him out of here. He stopped coming. And we found out later on it was the truth. And I'm not saying anything wrong with saying Jesus. We live in America. That's the name that the Roman Greco society gave him. But if you know his mom and daddy and Mary and Joseph named him Yeshua, don't act like something wrong with that name. It's the name that's on his birth certificate. And we've been so westernized and so Americanized in our way of thinking about God's scripture that the Protestant American Western Church actually teaches people that trying to understand Hebrew in Jewish culture 
mountain to the hill of beans. It don't mean nothing. You don't have to worry about Passover. You don't have to worry about all of God's holy days. That's ludicrous. When the Bible specifically says, when you read up on these holy days, that is, is in Deuter uh, Leviticus 23, uh, and, and, and I forget exactly where it's at in Deuteronomy, but it's in all of uh, Moses' writings. When God gave his holy days, he told him to teach this to your children throughout all generations. Now, when did that stop? He didn't say teach it to your children until Jesus comes. He did not say that. He said teach this to your children throughout all generations. And we've become so pompous and arrogant in our Western way of thinking, in our American way of thinking, we think we can call ourselves Christians, Christians, after Christ, and not do nothing that he did. That's how arrogant we are. But I want to admonish you this evening. You gonna call yourself anything according to this book, you need to try doing some stuff that the book say. Instead of trying to find a reason to get out of everything that God says. Well, we don't have to do that no more. We under grace. Where the Bible say that at? Hmm. Where does it say that? Paul said that because he was teaching Gentile, unlearned, non-Jewish people who was converting. Hallelujah. Now watch this. What does the word convert mean? The word convert means you changing over to something else. Ain't that what it means? Mm -hmm. So how you gonna change over to something else and don't want to do what something else does? Are you truly converted? Mm. Jesus told Peter, after Peter had walked with him almost three years, Jesus looked at Peter one day and he said, when you become converted. Peter said, what? Man, I've been walking with you for three years. You mean I ain't converted yet? No. I've been a Christian for 60 years. You mean I'm not converted? That's just what I mean. If we're not trying our best to do what this book says, and I got a big one that don't make it no better, but it's big. If we're not trying our best as Christians self-professed out of our mouth, if we're not trying our best to do what every page of this book says, we're in error. We in error. I go to a lot of church services and I listen to a lot of church services on the internet. And very seldom do you hear pastors uh, preaching and teaching uh, about sin these days. We don't talk about it no more. We're not we, we, we let the people forget that the wages of sin is still death. And I thank God that he sent his son Jesus. But you cannot, you cannot say that you're a follower of Jesus Christ and do nothing that he did. Watch this. Did Jesus keep the Passover? He sure did. Amen? Amen. Did Jesus keep God's holy days? He sure did. But you want to be a Christian, but you don't want to do nothing it ain't never sure what Jesus sacrificed no animal. Amen. So I don't feel the need to have to do that. But everything it showed me Jesus did, that's what I want to do. The Bible says in Luke 4, 16 that Jesus went to church on the Sabbath like his habit, his custom was. 
I'm gonna stop right there. Let's try to do what the Bible says and stop finding reasons that we don't have to. Because God said that I would rebel obedience in the sacrifice. I want to translate that into the New Testament. We're going to close. He says, I'd rather obedience than always have to give grace. Although his grace is there, his grace is sufficient. But every now and then, why don't we just try to do right? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Let us go ahead and stand and close for this evening. Amen. Father, it is in the wonderful, everlasting name of your son, Jesus, Lord, that we come. We thank you. We thank you, God, for these prophetic books, God, because they point right at our generation today. And God, help us to be able to open our eyes, God, that we, that we may see that these books are speaking to us as well. They're just not stories to be read. They're just not stories to be taught. Father, that these things have implication in our lives today. So help us, God, to realize that we are the people that this Bible is talking about. Amen. So, Father, we trust you for guidance. We trust you, God, that you will show us, Father, the errors of our ways. And we ask forgiveness right now in Jesus' name. We admit that we are sinners, God, saved by grace. But, Father, as we continue to live this life and we continue to learn about you, Father, we would be able to live our lives according to you, Father. Although your grace is sufficient, God, we want to be able to do things the way that you ask us to do them. Actually, the way that you commanded us to do them. And we thank you for your grace when we need it. But help us to be able to make good decisions, God. Help us to be able to uh, choose your way first. And we thank you for it. It is in the wonderful everlasting name of your son, Yeshua Hamashiach, that we pray. In Jesus' wonderful name. Jesus amen. Nice. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.